Let us pray. Master of the vineyard, we've worked hard this week. Thank you for this time to just come and sit and worship you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts bring us your balm. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So I'm wondering who in here is still without power? <laughs> Some of you without homes. Yeah. I swear, 2020, it's like two steps forward and three steps back. I mean, uh, just when we're figuring out this COVID-19 workarounds, like getting a little life rhythm back, figuring out how we do shopping and how we send our kids to school, boom, the Sally Storm. It's suddenly a Cat 2 hurricane right on top of us. But I guess the good in all that, and Lord knows we need to look for the good these days, is we're able to finally be neighbors for one another helping each other. We're raking each other's yards and almost like a block party, all the street signs are now beautifully garlanded down the row with all our rakings. For some of us, this storm has just been a scary inconvenience, while for some, you've lost so much. People who had so much going for them, People like us who finally have waterfront property. But now, everything they have is riding on the insurance adjuster's determination. Perhaps one of the lessons of 2020 is grasping that life can suddenly turn on a dime for anybody. Jesus' parable today has something to say about that. This is his story that drives us nuts it's about the landowner hiring workers for his vineyard, where some are hired at 6 in the morning for the usual daily wage, and some are hired later. And you know, throughout the day, the landowner, he continues to find laborers who need work, so he hires them at, at 9 and at noon and at 3 and at 5, sending them into his vineyard, telling them, I'll pay you what's right. When it's all said and done, we find that those who worked even one hour get the same daily wage as those who work the entire day. You know, every time I hear this parable, I'm reminded of the sweet studies we had several years ago. That's when our third through fourth, fifth graders, they would meet for Bible study at the TCBY. And in their discussion of this very parable, one of the girls slams her fist down and says, that's wrong. I mean, they didn't work as long. That's communism. <laughs> but even more amazing was the perspective of one of the boys that morning. Because he said, well, what if the man was late in getting to the hiring place because he had to spend the morning taking care of his mom? And that fourth grade boy who could already imagine these mitigating circumstances to back up Jesus' crazy economics? His wondering allowed the other kids to at least consider how each worker who wanted to get a job, who need to have a paycheck to feed their, their families, and would be so ashamed if they came home without being hired. But for most of us, like the girl, 
on first hearing, this parable rubs us really wrong. Yet perhaps Jesus is doing what all of his stories try to do, helping us to see and think differently about how we do life. Perhaps this Jesus story is more about equity than equality, more about community than communism, a view of life that's not so concerned about competition or getting only what we deserve, but rather of stepping into God's vineyard where grace is a real factor. You know, I don't own a generator and I don't keep full gas cans in our back shed, but this week, when everybody lost power in the hurricane, I had my eyes opened a little bit. After a day with no electricity, our neighbor Ed, who we only knew sort of casually, found an old generator and he found some fuel. And Without my asking, Ed shared a line with us from his generator so that we could power up both of our refrigerators during the day. And then at night, he gave that line to his other neighbor so that they could power their refrigerators at night. And similarly, I think this Jesus story is about how God's grace is willing to meet us where we are. Like this situation, my neighbor, normally we both live in abundance. He goes to work, I go to work, we say hello to each other in the driveway. But when his neighbors suddenly find themselves in need, Ed is there to share. No big deal. He had a line for his refrigerator, so why not give a line to his neighbors for theirs? I dare say that each of us had the opportunity to glimpse something important this week. We found real satisfaction in being able to help each other during the storm, whether it was in charging somebody's phone or listening to their hurricane story or, or just helping with somebody's branches with using our chainsaw. It just felt right. We got hot and sweaty in the vineyard, and that human-to-human -human connection brought belonging, even joy, for part of it. As Archbishop Desmond Tutu's book title says, our souls are actually made for goodness. We're wired to help one another. And so when we get the opportunity to step out of the dog-eat-dog -dog competition marketplace world to see another's needs, recognizing that we're all connected, that's when we're given this really good gift, ready to be hired for the vineyard at that point. Just recently, I came across some marvelous insight of Jesus's modus operandi. It's by um, the Reverend Barbara Brown Taylor. She's an Episcopal preacher that many of you are familiar with. She says this, in my view, Jesus changed lives because he was able to change the way people imagined their lives. He dared them to imagine the stranger as neighbor, the child as teacher, the enemy as mirror, the deity as loving father. He helped them imagine lepers, women, Roman centurions as exemplars of faith. He asked them to imagine that the most important person at the table was the waiter and that the end of the line was the place to be. At the moment, I can't think of a single story he told that was not intended to change the way his listeners 
imagine the world. So yes, when we first hear this parable, we, like the little girl at Sweet Studies, cry, unfair. Yet Jesus always imagines a better world, a fairer world, one that includes unmerited grace. Just this week, again, things flipped on the dime, and the first became last, and the last became first. Even those with money or property or position needed their neighbor's generosity in the storm. And these were only previews of how it's ultimately going to go, whether it's a tree that falls on our roof or a cancer diagnosis. It's at times like this that we discover our spiritual life's work. It comes down to learning what we were taught in kindergarten, learning to share if we can. If you brought a toy, remember how that went? If you brought a toy to kindergarten, everybody got a chance at it because everybody mattered. Bottom line, ultimately, we will all find ourselves in true need. And in this parable, Jesus reminds us that there is actually no such thing as deserving. No one is owed anything at the end of their days by our Creator. Yet us good ones, we so long to be preferred. We want to be rewarded for some special divine transaction for all those years we spent in the vineyard. Yet again and again, Jesus asks us to see differently, inviting us to become like him, even on this time on the planet Earth. So yeah, life is our teacher. These storms and pandemics for we're all God's beloved. He desires each of us to get into his vineyard to find purpose and fellowship and dignity. You'll know when you're starting to see differently when, like the little boy, you automatically lean towards assuming the good about the late laborer's hire. Or like my neighbor Ed, who cares more about helping two sets of his neighbors to help them save their food than he cares about his own comfort, despite what we do in this life, I have the sense that come judgment day, God will be free of our past. He is in no way bound to honor our titles or credentials, even our generosity. Wonderfully, part of what I intuit in this parable is that on that last day, Thank God we don't get what we deserve, but we get what we're graciously given, the daily wage. Just enough, more than enough for each of Jesus' siblings. Hang in there. <laughs>